Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. New York proud, New York loud, with New York attitude, all here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Giuliani. This is Rudy Giuliani, and you are listening to the Rudy Giuliani Show. And thank you for tuning in, America. We've got lots to talk about today. You know, stay right here because at the conclusion, the final thoughts, uh, we have really a, a very important uh, alert. I, I put it out uh, earlier today. I'm not sure if it's out yet I, uh, on a, a podcast, an oral podcast, but I want to discuss it with you as well. Um, it's something we really have to be very alert to, given what I think is a change, at least in apparent posture by, by Putin, in this war against uh, Ukraine. So let's, uh, let's take a look at where we are. For, for, first of all, Ukraine is uh, fighting back in a way that um, I think just creates tremendous, tremendous admiration for the people of Ukraine. I know there's a lot of resistance on the part of some of my fellow Republicans and some that I admire the most about engagement in another war or uh, why, why would we fight for Ukraine? It's, um, it's a, a corrupt country. It's a country you can't count on. It's not in our critical uh, strategic interests. I'm trying to think of the other. We can't fight in every war. We're war-weary. The American people certainly support that position. Only 27%. And this poll is a couple of days old, but only 27% support uh, military intervention to help the people of U- of Ukraine. So those are all the arguments against it. And I'm not uh, against, I mean, I see them all, uh, understand them, but then there are, there, there, there's another side to it. Uh, the other side to it is, first of all, the corruption thing. Uh, I know the corruption in Ukraine, I think, as well as anybody. I probably have more current information about it than just about anybody, having run into it like a wall uh, starting in 2018, investigating uh, for President Trump in order to uh, exonerate him of the false charges of Russian collusion, which really were charges of Ukrainian collusion by Hillary and Biden, which uh, they projected onto him as false charges of Russian collusion. Uh, Specific acts done in Ukraine with the Ukrainian government helping to produce false evidence, involvement of uh, Hillary Clinton's people who were paid for it, uh, the Steele dossier, Biden getting a case dropped against Soros that would have revealed a great deal of the uh, illegal interference in the election that went on. I mean, it, it, on and on and on. Then you can trace Democrat cor- corruption in Ukraine back to 2014. And you've got a situation where I can't say Obama was involved in it, but Obama had to know about it. It'd be impossible for him not to have known about it. In fact, 
enough was put into the New York Times that any prudent president would have inquired uh, if he didn't have uh, some kind of guilty conscience uh, related to it. Having said all that, the people of Ukraine are not corrupt. Why are we holding, why are we holding this against them? The people of, of Ukraine, who I've gotten to know better than the people in most foreign countries, because I'm there a lot, I was there a lot, are wonderful people. They're warm, they're, uh, uh, they're God-fearing, they're extremely religious in, 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 in every correct sense of that word. They work like hell. They, they don't have a problem of, you know, people prefer, prefer to stay home on welfare and not go to work. These are hardworking people. They have been through, personally, most of them hell, and their family history is a history of going through hell. Uh, Nazism, communism, just pure Russian avarice. Um, without, uh, but beyond that, they've survived. I mean, it was the breadbasket of Europe at one time. It was the source of a great deal of uh, a great deal of um, of, of the nuclear uh, capacity that that uh, Russia had. It was the I mean, it was an integral part of Russia. He's right about that when the Soviet Union existed. But was it always an integral part of Russia? No, there's always been a tension going back to St. Vladimir, which we won't bother to go through in great detail. But it is a history that I know really, really well, which um, Putin recreates falsely in his document of mid last year about about ukrainian history this is uh i guess it's a little more uh, uh a little bit more accurate than the 1619 thing a little bit more at least we got the right guy slain for that um and there were connections between russia and ukraine but there were also were connections between ukraine and poland ukraine and lithuania ukraine and europe uh and you have a country that is influenced by both and therefore should have a choice of where it wants to go and how it wants to go. And it wants to go west. And um, if, 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 if Putin didn't have designed for himself a militaristic regime, this would be no threat to him. In fact, it would be a benefit. He'd have a better trading partner. Well, the Ukrainians are fighting back unlike anyone ever thought they would except Rudy Giuliani. So I, um, last time I was in the city of Kharkiv, I'm going to tell you about Kharkiv because I can give you a personal view of it, was, uh, I hope I don't have the year wrong, I think it was 27, I think it was December of 2017. Or was it 2018? No, it was 2017. Yes, 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 yes. It was 2017. And uh, I had uh, designed, I designed for them a prototype of an emergency management center. Now, why Kharkiv? Kharkiv, in the last invasion by the Russians, in 2014, fought them off and kicked them out. And uh, it was originally a Russian-oriented city. So you get to that point of eastern uh, Ukraine, and it's very heavily Russian, ethnic Russian, either by background or just people who came in in the last generation. 
So there is a great deal of empathy and sympathy for Russia. They want the language. They want the culture. They want the Russian Orthodox religion rather than the Ukrainian version of Orthodoxy or Catholicism. And that was the situation for for uh, for Kharkiv up until then. The mayor was uh, a pro-Russian. Uh, the politics were pro-Russian, and the Russians didn't spare them, however. They came in and they started shooting them. The mayor, like the guys we see now, went down into the streets with his deputy mayor, and he fought them back toe-to-toe, got the whole city to come out, the men, the women, the children, and they drove the Russians out, but not without the mayor losing his legs. And I got to know that mayor very well. He has since passed away in the last year. But there's another mayor there equally as, in fact, they're calling him governor, but he's actually the mayor, equally as strong. And and I see yesterday they were quite uh, elated that they, once again, have held the Russians off. I'm telling you, this this this, this is the second largest city in Russia, in the Ukraine. Historically a pro-Russian city since 2014, a very nationalistic pro-Ukrainian city because of what the Russians did to them. There is no one in the world that can tell you better about the atrocities of Vladimir Putin than the people of Kharkiv because they once admired him. In fact, when they do the war crimes trial for Putin, these people should testify. And that's my other point. Let's stop fooling around. Biden, will you grow a pair of even small ones? Jeez, you can't, you know, you take military option off the table immediately. Even if you don't have a military option because of the condition of the American people being war-weary or whatever, fake it. You don't have to tell him that right away. He was shocked that you told him right away. I mean, he already knew from watching you that you're a fool. But he had to say, boy, that reaffirms my conclusion that this man is a total lightweight. He tells me in advance, no military option. Oh, good. Now let me plan a much bigger invasion. Yeah, let me not just take the the, the questionable territories. Let's see if I can take more. I'm not going to have to face a military after all. And then Biden, like, gets on his hands and knees. I think Putin played this out to remove any indicia of leadership that Biden could ever have ever again. He basically had him crawling in the mud saying for 14 or 15 days we're going to impose very, very dramatic sanctions. But no military, no, we're not going to put any military, no military. You know, oh, just in case you think I'm taking the military out that's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we have some military there that are helping the Ukrainians. He could easily have left them there, by the way. But we can take them out, Vladimir. Don't worry. Don't worry. No America. Oh, and by the way, if some Americans get caught behind and you take them as prisoners or whatever, I'm not going to. I'm not going to help those Americans. Yes, yes, he announced. The American military will not go back and save Americans. This is part of the Biden doctrine, to leave people behind. You know, doctrine used to be of honor and bravery. We don't leave people behind. The Biden doctrine is we specifically leave them behind. And we tell our enemy we're going to do it so that, you know, hmm? this, is, this is the same jerk that gave uh, Putin the cyber uh, uh, facilities uh, that, they, that they shouldn't hit. You've got to be Stunard. I don't know if you know what Stunard is. Look it up. 
You gotta, you gotta, and the people around you have to know this guy shouldn't be trusted with a document. You give him, it would be as if I went to bin Laden before the attack of September 11, and I said to him, here are the five places in New York you shouldn't hit. What do you think they would have done to me if I did that? I think they'd have sent me, Creedmoor was still in existence then. I think they would have sent me to Creedmoor. Yeah, they wouldn't even prosecute me. They said, you're so nuts, we gotta, we got to put you in some kind of cage so you don't you know, hurt everybody. Just think about that. He gives Putin a list of the most sensitive cyber targets. Fifteen. <laughs> Why am I laughing? Only because I'm probably unable to react in a way that will allow me to keep my radio show. Why did you elect him? Why? I'm sorry. Those of us who worked against him really resent you. I told you. And all you did was censor me. All you did was attack me. All you did was take my law practice away. I, I haven't told you a single thing that hasn't proven to be true. Even about the election. Not a single thing that hasn't proven to be true. Not a single thing that I don't have evidence for. The, the the big liars don't want to hear the evidence. The courts never wanted to hear any of the witnesses. I mean, I warned you about Biden. This is not an I told you so. This is too important for an I told you so. It's we got to work our way around Biden now. We have to accept the fact that we have we don't have leadership. America's role as leader in the world has been substantially tarnished by uh, Afghanistan and by his absurd, close to insane handling of this to, um, okay, you say it once, no military. He got, he got the point. Say it 20 times and you sound like a babbling coward. Take your troops out that are there. What the hell is that about? You're so afraid of them? And then say, if Americans stay behind, it's your fault, bad Americans. And we're not going to come and get you. We're not going to come and get you. We're going to leave you there. What kind of president does that? What kind of an administration allows the president to do it? What kind of joint chiefs of staff don't walk in and say, what are you doing to our military? What are you, you're, you're denuding them? You've already been denuded. The guy has virtually cut him off for the world to see and stretch it out over 14 days. But, man, we don't want to be connected with that. We've got to still worry about, about China. Who's going to be afraid of us? We're a joke because of Biden. And please, don't get too upset. But those of you who got fooled made us a joke. He was elected, we think. Well, there's a lot more to discuss on the side of what can we do about it now, given the limitations that we have, and there's plenty of that that we can do. And when we come back, we will talk about that. And at the end, I will raise a long-term question that could affect us for the next 20 years on the mayor's final thoughts. 
And when we do come back, we'll have John Tobacco with us, who has some very interesting observations. So we'll be back in a few minutes. The Rudy Giuliani Show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Rudy Giuliani Show. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you my final end of the show about something rather important to our future for the next 20 or 30 years. So keep it right here. And we have John Tobacco at about 3.35 or so. And we're taking calls at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. I'm Rudy Giuliani with Common Sense. We'll uncover the truth and get to a solution. You're listening to the Rudy Giuliani Show. And I want to tell you that tomorrow I'll be coming to you from my favorite island, Staten Island from Annandale Center. Tomorrow is the Republican convention that names uh, the candidate. And uh, my son, Andrew, as you know, is is running and leads uh, in every poll or all the po- only poll taken was the Siena poll. There have been six of them and he's been ahead by double digits in each of them. He's ahead by 20 right now. And it looks like the party, you know, the party has a choice. Uh, they have selected Lee Zeldin, uh, but usually the party puts on in, uh, the other credible candidates and doesn't require them to do uh, 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 petitioning. They they, they kind of give them 25% of the vote, and that would apply to both Andrew and to uh, Rob Astorino, who's previously been the candidate. That's almost always extended to them. That's in doubt right now, and I, I really urge the party, for uh, not just because it's Andrew, but also for Rob, this is not the right way to bring a party together. Not not in an era in which people don't want to be bossed to by politicians. I mean, there are three million Republicans, and there are a handful of of professional ones. You know, some of them were for for Trump, some were against Trump. Uh, they had Pence in the other day to do a fundraiser. Not exactly going to endear them to to uh, Donald J. Trump. Um, in any event, all those issues aside. You would think you'd want your three million Republicans to decide on, particularly in this era of populism, who is the candidate. So maybe they'll change their minds and they'll they'll just put all the candidates on the ballot. And if you're confident you, that you control the heart and soul of the Republican Party, then they'll pick Zeldin or they'll pick uh, Andrew Giuliani or they'll pick Mr. Ascarino, who is a, f- a fine choice as well. I mean, these those are three candidates, all of which I can support. I have a favorite. (laughs) And it isn't just because. But I know nobody will believe me. But in any event, I have to be truthful, right? I'm Rudy Giuliani. With common sense, we'll uncover the truth and get to a solution on the Rudy Giuliani show. That's what we try. That's what we endeavor to do. We endeavor to use common sense. Like, was it common sense for Biden? To tell Putin on day one, I'm not going to use nuclear weapons. I'm going to impose massive sanctions. When Putin saw the sanctions, I, got, I, I wish I was there. <laughs> Boy, this guy's a this guy, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they say in Russian. I don't know what they say in Russian. I'm not supposed to say that word, right? No, I'm not supposed to say that word. Damato got in trouble for that. I remember he called Schumer that. Everybody got all upset. All, all upset. But I'm not going to say that word. But I, but I am going to say that 
to tell people your intentions. This is, I used to be way back a boxer, which my father wanted me to be, and I loved boxing until I really started doing it. And I found out people hit you. That part didn't, I didn't, like, hey, Dad, when we box, you hit me, but it doesn't hurt. He said, you want me to really hit you? My father was actually a terrific boxer. And uh, I said, no, I want you to hit the bag. No, I don't. So I did it a little bit for him. And he literally was disappointed that my favorite sport was baseball, although he loved baseball and football. The one he was, I had to make a deal with him that I, that if I didn't box, I couldn't play football. Because his contention was that football players take more damage than boxers. And he had a whole theory about that. One of these days when I do Bernie and Sid, because they're both really big sports experts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little discussion with them, see if we can get a debate going. Because, and I'll argue my father's case, which I used to argue against, which has more validity now with all the things that have gone on in the NFL. So when we come back, we're going to get to the phones, and we're going to have Mr. Tobacco, and we're going to have the mayor's final thoughts, and uh, there are a couple other things to cover, including the condition of our subways. We will be back shortly. The Rudy Giuliani Show. Welcome back. This is Rudy Giuliani, and you can chat with the mayor by calling one 800 but right now, we have on the air a community activist and host on Newsmax of Wise Guys, which is fabulous, John Tobacco. John, how are you? Mr. May, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, t- t- tell us a teeny bit about Wise Guys. Well, what do you, you do? Know, uh, I'm proud to be an Italian-American kid. I'm the son of a cop, and... Staten Islanders sometimes get a bum rap for being gangsters and guidos. But, you know, we have a lot of wise people on the show. Um, we make a lot of wise cracks, and we make a lot of observations. <laughs> <laughs> we make a lot of observations that, you know, uh, wise people would make when you see stuff right before your eyes, and people like Jen Sock Puppet keep telling you you're not seeing it. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. We tape in Staten Island. You do have a lot of fun. I, I highly recommend it. It's very, very uh, funny, but it's very subtle and very and and it, and uh, your wise guys in the right sense of the word. You know, wise guys got a bad re- reputation because that was just they just didn't they just didn't they make make that up sort of for the, for the title. You know, it's been so romanticized that people yeah. in middle America, they're so caught up in the stereotype. And when you're born with a name like Johnny Tobacco, it's easier to just go with it. I know what I am at my core. I'm the wise guy. I'm the son of a. Did you ever? Did you ever? I I remember once. Gosh, I don't know how. I was really pretty young, like in my twenties or something. Somebody comes up to me and we were at some kind of an event, and he says, "You're an Italian. Just because you're an Italian, I don't think you're so tough. I'm going to kick the." And you're probably connected. I said, "Well, if if I'm connected, (laughs) if I'm connected, and you kick the, what's going to happen to you?" The guy walked away. <laughs> Imagine me doing that. Imagine me. I put a, a thousand of them in jail. But I, I, I just did it. It was so much fun. The guy's face went, went from his, yeah, his suntan disappeared. You're in the wrong business. <laughs> so tell me, what's going on? Well, there's a lot going on out here. You know, out here in the red-headed step barrel, we finally got some real leadership. And our new borough president, Vito Fasella, 
and uh, us and our comrades out here have been fighting like hell against lockdowns, against masks, against mandates. And many people across the country have a whole newfound respect for Staten Island because they think New York City is just this liberal bastion. And now people are starting to realize more and more that we elect Republicans. We were the highest county in the whole country in the Republican presidential primaries, 82 percent for Donald Trump. And we're making that known. We're making some noise. And we support people with common sense solutions here in Staten Island. And that's why uh, Staten Islanders overwhelmingly voted for Rudy Giuliani for mayor. Did Trump get more than me? Well, Trump so. got 82. Trump got 82 percent of. I got to go look back. You know, I got more the first time than the second time. The second time they were la- got a teeny bit lazy because we were going to win by 20. Also, the first time they had that um, they had that secession ballot on, which was really stupid because it created almost 100 percent turnout in Staten Island. You know, they either turned out because they were against Dinkins and for me or they wanted to secede. And the ones who seceded voted for me as a fallback. So, I mean, they helped. And Staten Island won the election for me on the first time. Well, look, as you know, Mr. Mayor, Staten Island put uh, you over the top, also put Mike Bloomberg over the top. Mm -hmm. And uh, I heard you talking a little earlier about how the New York State GOP convention is going on. Typically, like you said, there's a little tip of the hat for some fun, fair competition, and they let everybody on without petitioning. That may not happen, but I can tell you this. From what I understand, you're coming out here to your favorite borough tomorrow. Tomorrow in Annandale. And I'm going to ask anybody and everybody out there, um, when I petitioned for New York City Comptroller, Staten Island turned out with 17,000 signatures. And if the New York State GOP decides that they're going to make Andrew make his way onto the ballot through petitions, I'm asking people to come down to the Annandale Terrace tomorrow, meet the mayor, meet Andrew, pick up those petition sheets, and let's tell the state leadership that the guy who's leading in the polls deserves a shot to be in the primary, whether we got to get signatures or not. Staten Island supports Giuliani's. Well, Giuliani supports Staten Island. It's been a, it's been a, a love affair from day one. Uh, and, you know, when I tell people around the country about Staten Island, sometimes I show them old pictures I have of the Fourth of July parade in Staten Island, and I, you know, the one in Travers, and I say this could be Ohio, this could be this could be uh, Michigan, this could be. We're just like you, <laughs> the rest of America. Because <laughs> yeah, they do have this enough, view of New York of being all Ivy League elitists, which, of yeah, course. Oddly, en- oddly enough, Mr. Mayor, most people don't realize it, but even here in Staten Island, it's 60% Democrat, 40% Republican. But as you know, we continue to elect Republicans. So I think. Staten Islanders are old school. Even the Democrats are old school Democrats. And Very good point, John. People. You know, do you, do you know what? Here I am, a Republican, but I'm going to tell you this. You know what this country needs? Old school Democrats. This country right. needs more of them. First of all, they 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 need them to take to kick out the the communists and take the party back. And second, then they tend to be the crossover voters that elect good Republicans. Now, that's how I got elected. That's how Bloomberg got elected. You go way back, that's how LaGuardia got elected. 
You couldn't get elected on Republican votes. You have to get crossover. Got to get out of independents and crossover Democrats. Not everybody, yeah, but maybe 30 percent. With 40 percent Republicans in Staten Island, Vito won with over 60 percent of the vote. Nicole yeah. Maliotakis won with just about 60 percent of the vote. So that tells me that Staten Islanders are real discerning voters. And even the Democrats, they don't just vote, vote party line. They vote for people that they think are going to care about their community like you did, Mr. Mayor. Yeah, and and the, the time before they voted for a Democrat, and then Maliotakis defeated the Democrat, right? I mean, so, so they're capable of going with the candidate they perceive, rightly or wrongly, to be the best. That's the way you're supposed to vote. No question about it. And, you know, just getting back to Andrew... I think he's such a great guy. I've been following him. I had him on my show many times. Every poll I see out of Siena, and Siena's, you know, they're no friends of us on the right. They're a lefty poll. Um, so you would think they'd be skewed against someone named Giuliani, but Andrew continues to lead those polls. <laughs> I I um, was out in Nassau County on Sunday at a Lee Zeldin event covering it for Newsmax. Lee Zeldin's a good enough guy. I know Rob Estorino. I like them both. Guy. Um, but to me, a little intramural sparring just makes the candidate no, it's better. really, really, it's, it's really important. And, and I, you know, it's hard for me to, to be credible on this because he's my son, but I'd, I'd support him even if he wasn't because I think he's the outsider. He's got the best chance to kick the living daylights out of Albany. And somebody has to do to Albany what Trump did to Washington, what I did to New York City, and what Reagan did to Washington. You've got to get Is rid of the... You got to get rid of the old time. They got to go out because they 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 have ruined this. This state is on the way to ruin. It doesn't need it's surgery. Right. It needs a major revolution from within. And Andrew Andrew has the spirit to do that. I mean, he saw me do it. He saw Trump do it. He's heard from the day he was born about how Reagan did it because Reagan's my hero and I work for him. So that's why I'm no that's why I'm supporting him. New York State has been on life support for the last two years. And if you ask me, um, Andrew's a clean slate. He has no record for the Democrats to attack him on. He's a common sense guy. And a lot of people that I'm talking about here, they think, hey, Rudy turned around this city. Andrew could turn around he this can. state. And uh, if you ask me, a vote for Andrew is like a, like a two-for-one sale because he's got <laughs> the best mentor around. <laughs> well, John, I want to be on your show. I want to be on your show. I'm a wise guy. Yes. Oh, hey, listen, you're one of the wisest guys around. So I want to be on. you got to book me, okay? I'd love to have you. I'm All right, John. Down there to, I'm going to be down there tomorrow hanging out with you and the Okay, guys, well, we'll do it we'll tomorrow. Do you broadcast, you broadcast from the studio, from Newsmax? No, we tape on Thursday nights at La Fontana. You know it well. Oh, well, that'll and get me there for the food. There you go. And then we air on Saturday. All right. So okay. Well, you got a deal, we'll okay? We'll when I see you tomorrow. You got a deal, John. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. You see, we do have common sense people. I hope everybody listening, like Ed in Ohio, who I'm going to go to in a moment, I hope everybody listening, we got like real people in New York, too. You know, it's not all... Of course, you know, what cocktail party did you go to last week? Oh, my goodness, that Trump. Oh, he's such a bore. Hmm. And Biden. Biden is. Oh, he's so nice. 
He's such a nice man. Let's go to Ed from Ohio. Ed! We lost you, and here I was going to... Here I was going to talk to you about how Ohio is like Travers, Staten Island. So let's let's give Caitlin a shot. Caitlin? Hello? Hello, Caitlin. How are you? Oh, it's actually Catherine, but that's okay. Oh, Catherine. They told me Caitlin, so I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. that's okay. Catherine, uh, how are you? And what do you want to talk about? Um, how to defeat Putin. Tell me. I, I, want a, I want a formula. Give me a formula. Okay, you've got to identify who he is. He is an evil psychopath. Evil psychopaths live in the dark. They do not like the light. They will sacrifice anybody or anything to preserve their narcissistic self-image. And the way to combat that is to shine the light on them. The world has the light on them, but the poor Russian people do not. So every hacker around the world starting now should get the truth to the Russian people, especially the parents of those soldiers fighting in Ukraine. Many of them don't know why they're there and don't even want to be there. They were drafted and they don't understand. Um, their parents are pro- to get there, find out. Their child was killed there, if they even find out, because I heard they have a crematorium and they're not telling the mothers and fathers. Um, They would be devastated. And the whole thing is they live in secrecy, these evil psychopaths. You have to shine the light on them. You know, uh, that is very, very wise. Because if you look at Putin, how much do we know about his personal life? We, we know everything about Biden's personal life, <laughs> thanks to me, I guess. We know everything about Trump's personal life. We know everything about Kennedy's, the Kennedy's. The, the, oh, let's forget it, right? And, you know, so when you know about somebody's personal life, you find out about they're not, they're not perfect. Putin, you know, he swam the river for 50 miles, and he's on a horse with muscles and and I don't. I, I I think he's divorced from Yudmila. I think. I don't know. I've seen a p- picture of his daughter. I think. I don't know anything else about him. In fact, stupid me didn't even know he was the richest man in in Russia. So I, I tell you a story. I hope, I hope you all like stories. Here's a story about about me and President Bush. So one time when he, when they were making the switch between uh, Putin and Medvedev, you know, when Putin stepped out because of term limits and then he put Medvedev in as prime minister, he became president. I said, I don't understand why Putin doesn't just leave. I know he might want to come back in four years or eight years, but he could go into the private sector and make, you know, a lot of money and take care of his family and then come back. And President Bush, this is 43, started laughing so hard. I said, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> he's the richest man in Russia. <laughs> I said, yeah, but he's been in office. He said, yeah, it's even worse there, though. <laughs> he said, he's the richest man in Russia. He takes a little piece of everything for himself. <laughs> I didn't realize that. And then I started looking at it. So I got to tell you, this was a long time ago. So now I'm a lot more intelligent. But 
I started looking at it, and I saw something Jimmy from Brooklyn would tell you in a minute, because he's a real expert on communism. That's true of communists and socialists. The people at the top are millionaires and billionaires. And you, you look at this Black Lives Matter communist movement. Look at that Patrice Coors when they took all the money in. What's the first thing she did? She, she built a big docker for herself. That's what the Russians call it, docker. She built a big mansion for herself, and she took millions. She was entitled to it. That's part of the whole. That's part of the whole deal. Part of the whole deal is, you take a big chunk. You take a big chunk for yourself. So I also want to tell you that the subway plan of our mayor, who I commend by the way, for getting rid of the vaccine mandate and the mass on the kids. Thank you, Mayor Adams. I think that's a wise decision. And I think it requires some degree of cover, courage, given the left-wing position in your party. And I commend you for it. And when you do good things, I will always be there to commend you. And I am not attacking you for your subway plan. I'm just ex- expressing some frustration that it's not working yet. And, if, and my plans didn't always work right out of the box. So I'm giving you a free piece of advice, which I know you don't have to admit you take. But please take it. Because this is all in good faith, and I do know what I'm doing, and you know that. You've said it, right? I reduce crime in New York City, not Dinkins. You said it when you weren't under pressure. That's on the record. However, you got to go back and take a look at that program, because the numbers in the subway don't indicate any kind of impact. And subway impact should happen quickly. If I put a program in for the entire city, it's going to take about two, three months to have impact. When I used to put in a program for the subways, we had impact in two or three days. Remember, it's limited. It's a limited place. So you look at you look at the uh, you look at the woman that was shot in the chest on Sunday, right? Then another one, uh, another one hit in the face with human feces, and then a 27-year-old man, and uh, all of a sudden he gets he gets shot. And since, since your program has gone into effect, there's been an increase in crime in the subways. So I would say if this were a citywide program, I wouldn't jump to a conclusion. But since it's, a, it, it's, a, it's literally a program in a medium-sized to smaller city, that's what the subway is, this is a matter of concern. So get on top of it. I don't know what it is that's wrong with it, but there's something wrong with it. And that's what ComStat is for. Go have a special ComStat meeting. That's what we would do. Bring them in and let the people who are having success explain to the people who aren't what's working. You have too many people on the trains. You've got too many people on the platform. I tend to think maybe you don't have enough people on the platform. And you got to go back to having them pay their fares. Nothing cuts down subway crime. Boom. Let them pay their fares. First of all, it gets rid of a couple of the bums because they don't pay their fares. Well, we'll be back with the mayor's final words in just a few minutes. And now it's time for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Mayor's Final Thoughts. This is uh, Mayor Giuliani, and these are my final thoughts, and they're sponsored by my favorite organization, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Let's do it now. I just sent out 
the letter for the golf tournament in June. And if you play golf, come. And if you don't come for the dinner, I'm sure, I'm sure every year we can count on Joe Piscopo being there. And you can count on my correcting his rendition of New York, New York, because he does not do it right. You know what that sneaky guy does? All of a sudden, you know, New York, New York. Then he goes, New Jersey, New Jersey. What are you kidding? New Jersey, New Jersey. I love New Jersey, but, you know, if Sinatra wanted to say New Jersey, New Jersey, having been born there, he would have. So this is like, you know, this is like a literalist reading of the Constitution, Joe. What are you, some kind of wacky liberal who can just read things in? So we have a big fight about it, and it's a lot of fun. And then I get to sing it with him, and then people walk out when they hear my voice. That's the way we end the night. I'm only kidding. Maybe I'm not. But donate your $11. So here's what I want to talk about in my final thoughts. The president screwed up the response to this. Way beyond uh, the way it had to. Look, he was, he was limited by, by his own viewpoint, his party's viewpoint, the viewpoint of a large part of the Republican Party and the prior president, that there wasn't going to be an intervention. He did not have to say that right away. He could have said these things have to be judged based on the facts. He, he might say, you know, we don't like intervention. We did it too much. We did it incorrectly at times. I even voted for it incorrectly at times or didn't. But every case has to be judged individually, and it depend, it's going to depend. Stop. That's called at least maintaining some leverage. Wouldn't have been much because Putin can look at the public opinion polls no Biden's background as never defying public opinion polls, particularly not these strong ones. And he could have been pretty sure that Biden wasn't going to militarily intervene. But then there's another side to it. Putin stretched this out. I got to go look at the exact dates. At least five weeks. Now, he got a lot out of that. He got Biden uh, virtually deconstructed himself as a leader by begging and begging and begging and constantly uh, pointing out there'd be no military intervention and taking the troops out and saying he wouldn't go back and protect Americans. Extraordinary thing to say, by the way. So he, he basically took the emperor's clothes off. And um, the question is, does the West have a leader now? Uh, or does it just have a, you know, a retreating coward? So he really, he really did a job on Biden. But now what can be done? But we're not going to intervene. We got the point, Joe. We're not going to intervene. We can do everything else, though. Why hold back on the sanctions? What the hell are we buying oil from Russia for? And when we did the sanctions, why do we the night before go buy lots of Russian stuff? What, United States and our allies, we all loaded Russia up with money the night before because we wouldn't be able to buy from them for, you know, months. So they got that money now to use against Ukraine. I mean, if you're going to sanction, sanction. Don't bull S. Well, we'll be back tomorrow because there's plenty more to talk about this, and there's a whole issue of how do, how do you deal with non-intervention and stop tyrants? Big question. I'm going to do a podcast on it. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow. This is Rudy Giuliani. Please pray for the good people of Ukraine. And God bless America.